Right. When I was single, I was dating a girl. And for me, it was always important to be with somebody who enjoyed the outdoors and supported my love and desire for being outside and exploring nature. So, one day, I got my girlfriend, a girl saying at the time, as a gift, I bought her a kayak. It would be a good way to find out <laughs> how much she loved the outdoors and supported this kind of lifestyle where we get out and explore. Yeah. I think she probably used it once the whole time we were dating. Yeah. Didn't care for it too much. And I was like, well, that answers that question. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we broke up, I sold it on Craigslist. Oh, there you go. That was gonna be that was gonna be my follow-up question. What'd you do with the kayak? <laughs> so that's what I'll call the kayak test. And this is the trail connection. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome back to the Trail Connection Podcast. This morning we are recording from the Juniper Springs Run in Ocala National Forest. And I have with me this morning uh, Joseph Maydell. He's a good friend of mine I've known for some time now. We uh, went to school together and back then at that point we didn't really know each other that well but we've had an opportunity for our families to get to know each other a little bit better over the last couple years. And so... Uh, I'm excited to have him join the podcast as my first guest, and uh, we're going to have some good discussion today. I think he's got some really unique perspective on uh, outdoor activity. He's from South Africa, so that's why he talks a little funny, uh, but that's good. I uh, love the accent, and I'm happy to have him with, with me this morning. Thanks, Tim. It's an honor to be out here with you this morning. Beautiful river run this morning. So, Joe, why don't you take a minute and tell everybody... Who you are and kind of what you do, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into some all right. Conversation. Uh, my name is Joseph Medal. I am an outdoor enthusiast like Tim here. Um, I've always loved the outdoors. Something my parents always instilled in me. Um, I'm actually from South Africa. Some of my favorite childhood memories were camping uh, in the African bush, uh, going to sleep at night in my tent, listening to lions roar or hyenas laughing um, right now I live in Florida but still try to get out west whenever I can do ba doing backpacking kayaking also love being out on the ocean just anything outdoors um, very passionate about being outside and exploring the outdoors that's awesome and I didn't realize this up until a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, uh, I shared the interest in having him come on the show and, and showed him what I was working on. And, and, and I didn't realize the extent of the experience that he had. And he didn't realize that I was doing a podcast or no. <laughs> as, this is great. as into it as much. So 
Uh, obviously, we got some more stuff we need to get to know about each other. <laughs> but uh, anyway. I was just trying to get you to get me on the show yeah. more often because I think what you're doing is great. Yeah. And I want to have more adventures. Well, I appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll definitely get you on any opportunity we can. Um, Thanks, Tim. So today, like I mentioned, we are uh, we're doing a little little stint called Juniper Run. And uh, it's about a seven-mile stretch of Springfed River. Um, it starts up in uh, a recreational area up in the Ocala National Forest, and uh, we got a little swimming hole around the, the spring where it comes up out of the ground. And then it's a really narrow, windy, Amazon-esque feel yeah. <laughs> uh, trip for the first first half of the trip. We're about three and a half miles down river right now, and pulled off to record a little bit and get a bite to eat before we finish up our trip this this morning. And uh, it's been really, really awesome. I have had a chance to, to kayak on a couple different rivers around the central Florida area, um, but nothing nothing compares to this type of scenery and, and this type Definitely of run not. before. Um, we were planning on doing an overnight camping trip, and that didn't quite work out, so Joseph suggested doing this run because he's done it. How many times have you done it now? This is not my third time. Third time? And uh, I I would highly recommend it to anybody who's who's interested um, very cool. I think if you have an opportunity to check out our social media pages or the YouTube channel, the, the, the video that we're recording, then you'll get to see some really awesome footage uh, right here on top of the water and, and the perspective that we got this morning. So really, really cool stuff. Um, got to see a little bit of wildlife so far. Um, ran across a, an alligator, about six foot alligator, and uh, a couple turtles, some fish. Missed out on an otter, which is mm -hmm. something Joseph really wants to see today. I do. Every now and again, I look behind me for one. <laughs> Apparently, so, they like to follow the kayaks because we disturb the fishes, and then it makes it a lot easier for them to catch the fish. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, but this this area out here is very remote. Um, we've heard a lot of stuff moving along the banks as we've come through and as we've been talking, um, but I'm sure if we were just kind of cruising along quietly, we probably would see a whole lot more, but uh, really, really incredible piece of scenery to, to experience so um, I'm excited to be out here today and there is a lot of wildlife out here I heard we've got panther out here mm -hmm. we've got black bear we've I've got python well wow. yeah a lot of interesting stuff that uh, we might still be fortunate enough to see later yeah what I wanted to talk about real brief that I, we might see today is uh, we might actually see Alvis today and from what I've heard he's still alive and well Alvis is an alligator who lives on this river. He is 14 feet long and currently weighs 800 pounds. Wow. So I think it'd be really neat to see him, Tim, but I don't know if I want to get too close to him. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to do some gator hunting in the last, last few years. And the biggest one that I've ever seen taken on the boat with me is 12 foot six. Wow. So it's amazing how much a couple feet can add to the size and the girth of, of one of those animals. But yeah. a 14 foot alligator is pretty much a dinosaur. They're pretty much, they're huge. Well, it's definitely looking like it's starting to open up a little bit. Um, if you're watching the video, then you can see that uh, this this run has been pretty narrow, 
probably not more than 10 feet wide. And uh, now we're starting to open up a little bit more to 16, 18 feet wide in some areas. And um, I imagine as we get a little further down the line, closer to uh, the main body of the, the river, it'll open up quite a bit more. But um, I got to tell you, Joseph, I'm pretty impressed so far. This is a, a really neat run. Yeah. Especially, I, I, I like the way that uh, this, this is really just a stream that's meandering between palms and all kinds of like almost tropical type vegetation. And it, it really does give you the feeling that you're kind of navigating some backstream in, the, in another country or somewhere it's in the Amazon. A, it's got a very wild feel to it. Yeah. Um, and it's seven miles of beautiful wilderness river trail. So was an interesting segue um, with you using that term river trail. When I first put this concept together and I was talking about um, hiking and backpacking and camping, uh, a lot of that type of stuff doesn't usually associate with, with kayaking or, or any kind of like river activity typically. But um, I think the, the concept of just getting outdoors and doing things that you love is, uh, is all inclusive to what the trail connection is all about. And like I mentioned in the first episode, you know, this is something that I grew up doing as a teenager and uh, really enjoyed. And that was kind of the first thing that I jumped back into when I was trying to find something to escape to. And uh, so I definitely wanted to incorporate that into the show. And I think that using that term is, is a, a perfect way to describe what we're doing. Um, because this, these not all trails have dirt. Um, I've used that, that caption before, but um, there's just some really incredible places that you can explore that you can only get there by the use of water. So yeah, we've, we've enjoyed our, our morning so far. Um, haven't quite had an opportunity to, uh, to find any swimming holes. There, it's pretty shallow uh, water. Most of the river that we've been on this morning has been between 12 and 18 inches deep, uh, maybe a little deeper in some areas, but uh, not too many low spots. Um, so something that I love doing, Joseph, I don't, I don't know if you have had any experience doing it before, but uh, every opportunity I get to get on the water, I'm always looking for a, a tall tree mm -hmm. and a deep hole to, hmm. to jump into in the water. You're and, basically uh, trying to find where Elvis lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess so. Um, have you had any experience jumping out of trees or doing anything like that growing up? Not trees. I have, well, I've swung off of swings from trees into rivers okay. and I have climbed, I've done cliff jumping, mm -hmm. but I've never just found a tree and just decided to jump off of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was something growing up, you know, I loved doing and uh, me and my buddies, anytime we had a chance to go to the river, we would. And most of the areas that we we frequented were like tubing rivers and um, more popular spots so the, the the human traffic was a lot greater on these rivers so you didn't really have too much of a of a chance of disturbing wildlife or anything like that and most of the areas were pretty well defined it's, yeah it's safe and uh, mm -hmm. that's uh that's something kind of the reason why i wanted to bring it up today is uh just kind of a 
a public service announcement, I guess, for when you're, you're planning on doing any kind of adventure sport like that, um, is to just use some caution. So my perspective on that has definitely changed since mm -hmm. I was younger. Um, I would, before I grew up, you know, just kind of any opportunity I had, I'd jump out of the tallest tree I could find. Um, but now that I've grown up and gotten some kids, um, I just, I think that we need to be a little bit more cautious about, uh, those types of activities mm -hmm. and stuff. And my dad would always kind of warn against that growing up. And I'm not going to say I didn't take him seriously, but I definitely didn't heed the warnings as much as I should have. But, uh, there's a lot of potential danger and I'm sure, uh, you have experience as well. Yes. Um, I so. know scenarios where people have been severely injured. Yeah. So, um, you know, one, one of the things that kind of made me decide to bring this up and talk about it was there's a swimming hole not too far from uh, where I grew up that we would go to. It's kind of, it's pretty much just a sinkhole that uh, filled up with water. They called it a spring, but it wasn't, it was not a spring. <laughs> it was very black and kind of a gross, gross body of water to, uh, to be swimming in. But my, my friends and I would go and there's a pretty tall tree that would overhang mm -hmm. um, the, the pool there and we'd climb up and jump in. And this one particular day, there was a park ranger that came by and kind of was real nice about the whole thing, but politely asked us to leave. And on as we were packing up our stuff, just kind of let us know that uh, over the past several years, they had pulled out several people out of that hole because the way that the tree grew right on the edge of the water um, kind of created a shelf of roots under the water that you couldn't mm -hmm. see. And kind of your natural tendency when you jump in is to kind of swim back towards the shore as you're coming up. And that's mm -hmm. how a couple of folks have gotten caught up under mm -hmm. there. And that really hit home with me. Um, it, I thought about it a lot and uh, yeah. it scared me to death, uh, to be honest. And so pretty much since my, uh, my freshman year in college, that was uh, something that I, I don't do anywhere and everywhere. It's kind of very select areas. Yeah. So, but on a day like this where you got plenty of clear water and mm -hmm. um, plenty of opportunity to jump, then I think it'd be something fun we could try. One thing I do want to caution you though is um, this is a wilderness trail, mm -hmm. and if we get caught doing that, we get a fifteen hundred dollar fine. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you neglected to mention that earlier. <laughs> There's a couple of things. So we will not be tree jumping today. <laughs> There's a couple of things I forgot to tell you too. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. So speaking of that, um, you know, this being a wilderness trail and and being. Uh, a pretty remote remote piece of land out here they're very adamant about uh, what we bring in mm -hmm. and um, so we were very um, we were almost searched <laughs> for what we were searched, we were searched for, yeah. for what we brought in um, they, they wanted to try to avoid any kind of plastic bottles or wrappers or anything that might get left behind and um, I just think I think that even though that can be a little frustrating sometimes uh, I'm okay with that because mm -hmm. I know Joseph feels the same way. Like this, this area is such a beautiful area to experience, and I'd hate to leave it in a different state yeah. than the way we found it. And it's not really that they're worried that we're going to throw the wrappers away. It's like if we capsize, which is very easy to do on this river because mm -hmm. it's so narrow and there's so many low, overhanging branches. It'd be very easy for us if there's anything like a wrapper or bottle in our kayak for that to get, yeah, thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know, I'm sure most of the, the people who are tuning into this are very aware of the, the Leave No Trace movement mm -hmm. and the organization 
and um, they're a group that really focuses on leaving these trails exactly the way we found them, um, even to a point of not leaving the defined trail to disturb mm -hmm. the ecosystem around the, mm -hmm. the area. And that was something that we were talking about a little bit ago while we were kind of coming down the river some, is some of this area under the water has probably never been disturbed, you yeah. know, with, with human traffic or anything like that. It's It's mostly just been flowing and so something you don't really think about and mm -hmm. anytime we take some opportunities to to enjoy the nature around us we need to make sure that we're we're leaving it the mm -hmm. way that we found it and being a good steward of what we're blessed with it really is and one thing that's really beautiful about this river there's no invasive species growing on the banks there's no litter in the river it's just you just feel like you're just out enjoying yeah. god's creation yeah yeah and another thing that got me thinking about this uh leaving nature the way we left it. My daughter um, loves flowers and loves picking them. And she's always asking me, every time she sees one, she points it out and then she'll say, Daddy, can I get one? And I, I'm always, I, I'm always wanting her to, but I've, I've always told her that no, we can't, can't take them because if we pick a flower and the next person picks a flower, eventually nobody's going to get to enjoy what we get to see. So mm -hmm. it's something that I'm trying to teach my kids. And even though it's tough and it's really, it seems dumb to tell them, no, you can't pick a flower. Mm -hmm. It's not because it, uh, it's disturbing, you know, what's there. And even something as simple as picking up a rock and skipping it in a, mm -hmm. in a lake. I mean, there's, there's tons of folks that enjoy doing that as a little keepsake, but I've seen recently, um, you know some of these uh, some of these trips out west in some of these national parks that have the beautiful rocks laying in the mm -hmm. in the bank of the river. If everybody took one of those, then there wouldn't be one. Yeah. There wouldn't be that site left for, for yeah. others. So big supporter of that. <laughs> long-winded, long-winded say, long-winded, uh, long-winded sentence to say that I'm I'm a big supporter of that movement and and uh, looking forward to teaching my kids and and bringing them up the same way. And I'm a huge proponent of being a good steward of the outdoors when you're enjoying it. Yep. There is nothing that will make you lose your enjoyment of a trip more rapidly than watching somebody deface a beautiful scene yeah. when you're out in yeah. the wild. And I've, I witnessed that. In fact, a few years ago, I was out in Utah. Mm -hmm. and I climbed out uh, to Archers National Park to Delicate Arch. And somebody was actually engraving their name on the arch also everybody was watching it and mm. it was just it was honestly very devastating yeah to see just that lack of stewardship yeah of what we have been given yeah yeah that's that's disappointing but i mean it's very common so that's why folks like we met this morning that searched our bags have mm -hmm. the jobs that they do and and i appreciate it even though it can be a little frustrating sometimes and for those who are unprepared like myself who brought tons of stuff that was in disposable containers <laughs> basically everything i had mm -hmm. um it is a little frustrating but uh well talking about keeping everything you have why don't you tell me about this dry bag that you have here too? okay um so i've got uh, about a medium size uh dry bag um that i've got most of my expensive recording gear in and cameras and all that stuff to try to keep dry and um it's about a it's a plastic slash canvas type material um, that's used for for that particular purpose and i don't know about you but uh, i've got mixed feelings about mm -hmm. dry bags um, 
for me, I, I've had only bad experiences with them, <laughs> which isn't much. It isn't much experience, but every every time I've used it so far, I've gotten the stuff inside wet. So mm. what, what's your experience with them? Um, I have used them extensively. I am an avid sailor and I've used them a lot on sailboats because there's a lot of spray and wind. But um, they are a challenge to use. The biggest challenge that I faced, especially uh, sailing, is you're typically wet. Mm -hmm. So then when you go to access stuff in your dry bag, uh, your hand might be damp or wet. And so then everything inside your dry bag becomes damp and wet. Yeah. And that moisture is pretty much trapped inside there. Yeah. So that's been my experience. Um, but they do, they do serve a good purpose, mm -hmm. especially whenever you plan well um, and make sure that you have the stuff that you need to access in there, um, you know, when you access it is at the right time and not in the middle of a torrential yeah. downpour <laughs> or, yeah. or, you know, stuff running down your arms and your hands while you're trying to access things inside. And I did have two tips I wanted to share when I came to dry bags. Okay. Uh, if you're out in the wild and you accidentally get the inside of your dry bag wet, especially on a nice warm sunny day, just take the bag, turn it inside out. It dries really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, the other tip, when I'm backpacking in an area with bears, I actually will take my dry bag and stuff it with all my food at night and hang it from a tree. Okay. Um, always make sure it's at least a couple hundred yards from your campsite. You want the bears hanging around your food under the tree, not your tent. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it really works a lot better, in my opinion, than a bear canister. I'm not saying that there aren't times you need a bear canister, right. especially if you're out west um, and there's a lot of boulders um, and a few trees, mm. or if there's a lot of grizzly bear activity, sometimes the canister is the best option. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion. I hadn't thought about that before. and That's, that's going to be a topic we'll discuss later on uh, down the road on this show is uh, multi-purpose items and um, finding ways to, to make things work in other, other capacities. and. I, I will probably do that. We're going to head up on an Appalachian Trail next week, and um, I'll probably end up taking this bag for my, my food sack and mm -hmm. use it as a bear bag instead. So good yeah. suggestion. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, all right, so we're going to... Um, we're going to be wrapping up here in a couple hours. Like I mentioned earlier, we had planned on doing an overnight trip, but since we're stopped for lunch, we can, we can go ahead and talk about this. So on a scale of one stick of beef jerky to, uh, what was the, what was the mountain house flavor that you like? I really like their chicken and mashed potatoes. All right, the chicken and mashed potatoes. So yeah. on a scale of one stick of jerky to chicken and mashed potatoes, how confident are you that you could do an overnight trip and catch your dinner? Or would you need to be eating said meal? To be honest with you, I'll be eating. <laughs> I'll be enjoying my mountain house meal. Yeah. Whilst you sit on the bank of a river, crossing your line, and every time you catch a fish, actually I see some right here, and the alligator's gonna come and snatch it from you before it even pulls you up on the bank. And I'll just be sitting on the bank, yeah, just with, enjoying my meal. With a full stomach. Yeah. <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> I, yeah. I love... There's nothing better than after a long day of backpacking or hiking or mountain biking, having a full stomach, curling, curling up in your nice cozy sleeping bag and going to bed. Like, yeah. I do not want to be hungry on the trail. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think for me, I would definitely go the same route and make sure I have a backup plan because although I come from a, a family that's got a reputation of being outdoorsmen, <laughs> my brother could catch a fish in a bathtub is what I like to say but uh, I am not 
cut out of the same cloth. I, mm -hmm. I think I'd be lucky if I could catch a fish in in an aquarium. But <laughs> but uh, I definitely would bring a backup plan. But I would yeah. want to do. I would want to try to to find something to, to yeah. catch um, just for the challenge of it. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely would not be relying on a stick of jerky for sure. Yeah. It'd be a full meal. So I think it also depends on like where you camping or hiking what um all the rivers there with abundance of live fish yeah so real quick before we uh before we wrap up why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up in south africa and what you experienced out there in the uh, wild well um it's a beautiful country tremendous amount of wildlife especially in the national parks a lot of um a lot of game a lot of predator type animals like lions hyenas things of that nature um one thing that was very different about the national parks in south africa as opposed to here in america is you couldn't just camp anywhere it's kind of like a jurassic park you had these special <laughs> enclosed areas with electrified fences yeah and you had to be inside them before it was dark if you're outside an enclosed area after dark there's a good chance that was your last day <laughs> so <laughs> So, yeah, I remember, like, you know, making sure we were always in the enclosed area before dark, making our camp. But, man, going to bed at night, listening to lions roar, mm -hmm. listening to hyenas laugh, um, that was phenomenal. I bet. Yeah, hearing those sounds. But very thankful for being inside my electrified fence, <laughs> Jurassic Park, safety barrier enclosure. Yeah. And then again, during the day, the only time you're allowed out of those areas is in your vehicle. Okay. You're never allowed outside your vehicle. You, there's no, very few national parks you can do actually backpacking and hiking. Okay. Unless you're with a armed um, trail guide. And by armed, I mean huge weapon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically, a rifle powerful enough to bring down a bull elephant. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So have you ever had any kind of encounter with... A big piece of uh, wildlife like that. <laughs> the only crushable encounter I ever had was with a male blue elephant. Okay. And it wasn't my own. It wasn't because of my something that I was doing wrong. But I was with some friends in a minivan. And in the national parks in South Africa, you're not allowed out in the park at night. And during the day, you're allowed in the park as long as you stay with stay in your vehicle. You're never allowed to exit your vehicle. And then before, uh, before it gets dark, you have to be in one of the designated camping areas, which is protected by this electrified fence. Okay. Now, unfortunately, in this story, um, the person driving the van was running behind schedule. So we were late getting back to a designated camping area. Mm -hmm. And we were rushed. And there was a bull elephant next to the road. And we came around this corner faster than we probably should have been going. And this bull elephant was standing next to the road and he kind of took offense at us. Mm -hmm. So the driver stopped the van because, you know, bull elephants are very dangerous. They will trample you to death in your vehicle. Wow. And so we just basically had to sit there and wait for this bull elephant to wander off. Wow. But unfortunately, this bull elephant, he had no such intention. He kind of kept one foot on the road, essentially saying, this road is mine. Uh -huh. And every time we tried to approach him, he would turn 
and flap his ears at us and we'd back off. Wow. And now it's starting to get dark and we need to be in the designated camp area. So the driver decides to be a little more aggressive at trying to pass the bull, mm -hmm. approaches a little closer, and the bull elephant actually starts to charge us. Wow. We're facing this bull elephant and he's charging us head on. That had to be terrifying. Yes. <laughs> so the driver is freaking out. He puts the vehicle in reverse and pops the clutch, except he doesn't realize in his haste, he put the vehicle in first gear and so reverse. Oh, wow. So we've got this bull elephant charging at us. He pops the clutch and we go flying <laughs> forwards instead of backwards. Oh my goodness. Straight at this bull that's charging us. Now, I don't know, uh, maybe it was better that this happened because what actually happened, the bull wasn't expecting us to come at him. Yeah. And when he saw us come flying towards him, he actually uh, was like, wait a minute, what are you guys doing? You're supposed to be running away from me. Yeah. And so he actually ended up, he stopped right in front of the minivan and then he wandered off into the bushes. But wow. that is uh, probably the scariest I've ever been. Wow. With When it comes to African wildlife. That's crazy. I can't even imagine coming across something like yeah. that. I've, uh, I've seen animals like that in a zoo for sure, but kind of that same sense of security behind the, the yeah. big walls or the electrified fences, you know. <laughs> and I think it comes back, like, you got to be a good steward of your environment. you mm -hmm. gotta, you got to know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. you got to be prepared. Um, these types of situations that you can find yourself in, a lot of times the situations where people find themselves in when they get injured or um, don't survive, there was a lot of things that they did wrong leading up yeah. to those situations. Yeah. If you're out enjoying the wild and you're very conscientious of what you're doing, um, there's very few situations where you have to fear for your well-being. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it just goes to speak about kind of what we've been talking about already is just Anytime that you are engaging in outdoor activity, there are different cautions you have to have and different mm -hmm. risks that you have to assess. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of benefit to being outdoors. And as long as we're out and mm -hmm. about and paying attention and, and being aware of what's around us and just thinking about the what ifs, um, yeah. there's a lot of enjoyment that can come from spending a little bit of time outside. Mm -hmm. So... All right, well, we're going to uh, paddle on down a little bit and... Um, hopefully might, we'll see some otter. Yeah, hopefully we'll see some more otter and... Uh, hopefully might, no coral snakes. Yeah, <laughs> we might chat a little Do bit more. Do you remember the... Um, I identify if a red, white, and a red, black, and yellow snake is dangerous or safe? Black and yellow kill a fellow, red and black friend of Jack. Right. Yep, you mm -hmm. got it. See, you're prepared. You're yeah, ready. I'm ready. You're I'm ready, ready for bull elephants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, in case we don't get an opportunity to chat a little bit more, I want to go ahead and do my shameless plug here. So if you haven't already, check out the Trail Connection podcast uh, Instagram and Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to have some really cool content coming out for this episode. Um, you know, Having an additional person out and about with me and some extra camera angles, we got some really cool footage, so be sure to check that out. And um, also, if you haven't already had a chance to check out our Patreon page, please go take a look at that and uh, watch the short video at the beginning that kind of explains what Patreon is and how you can help support this show if you're a fan. And I deeply appreciate it. 
Um, I'm already blown away by the amount of support that we've gotten just being as young as we are. And um, really, really excited to see how this is going to develop and, and move and change as we continue to get going. So next week, I'll give you a little preview. Um, we are going to be filming on the Appalachian Trail. I'm going up with another buddy of mine. Um, we're going to do a couple days on, at Springer Mountain in Georgia at the trailhead. And uh, we'll be filming the next two episodes on that trip. So those will be coming up down the line. Well, Tim, thanks so much for having me out today. Yeah, I want to I want to thank Joseph for taking the time and uh, coming out. And this was very special because he was just out in Utah last week taking some time off work. So I definitely appreciate the, the extra time that he's taken to dedicate to this. And um, I've enjoyed it. We're going we're gonna to make some cool memories today. And, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to uh, have you part of the Trail Connection community. And uh, thanks again, Joseph. It was fun. Thanks for having me out today, Tim. I'm Tim Garland. This is the Trail Connection Podcast.